This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40-volt jet fan leaf blower. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk podcast. I am Kurt Heelan, the managing editor of Pro Basketball Talk, here with you as always. And today we're diving into the NBA draft again with uh, my buddy, my man from NBC, uh, Rob Doster from College Basketball Talk. Rob, how you doing? I'm doing well, Kurt. I'm doing well. Better than you because I'm not coughing every uh 25 seconds on the podcast. Yeah, yeah we're going to try to get through this podcast without without me actually hacking up a lung and sounding like a, I'm thinking of taking up smoking. I just if I'm going to cough this much, I might as well smoke. So Well, here's the thing. I like to talk a lot, so just put it on me. I'll do all the talking for you. I got to Sounds good. Team Sounds player. Good. Sounds good. And by the way, if you're not watching Rob's Facebook uh at the end of the night uh wrap-up uh videos, you're missing out. It's a great wrap-up of of the night in college hoops. Plus Let's get into the important question with that. What beer are we drinking during that that nightly wrap? Tonight, uh, I think it's going to end up being a Terrapin Hopsecution tonight because that's what uh, that's what I bought the other day, and that's the only thing in my fridge. And I don't think I'm going to end up going to the beer store. Like when you start going to the beer store, uh, like six or seven days a week, that's when you got to be like, okay, maybe I'm doing too many Facebook videos. <laughs> I, I, I see. I, I disagree. I think you're doing just enough, and. Uh, I, I, I'm like, man, he stole that beer idea is brilliant, except I'm afraid if I like did that, then I'd literally just go pass out right after I was done with it and wouldn't get any more writing done. Yeah, um, that's, that's the one hard thing about it is I get a little bit sleepy when I'm halfway through the video. I'm like, man, it's 1 o'clock in the morning, just want to go to bed, and you start uh, talking about stuff you don't really know what you're saying. But hey, that's the fun part about it, because you never know what's going to come out of your mouth. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the best part. I, I have, I, by the way, I am currently, well, not currently, as and recording this, but the... I just bought some uh, out here in L.A. or actually based out of San Diego, a brewery that's doing Tony Gwynn 394 from, you know, the year he almost hit 400. 394, uh, it's kind of a hoppy pale ale. It's fantastic. So if, if you're out in Southern California, you can find the Tony Gwynn hoppy 394. It's amazing. Well, that's why that's part of the reason I'm trying to pitch the wife to let me move to uh, or let us move to Southern California. I mean, it's the weather and all that. Like me and you could hang out and all that kind of good stuff. And then there's an unbelievable amount of good beer. Yeah, the, the, the great food and great beer, and, and you know, and beaches. You, you, you could and you could sport. join the long list of guys who I'm like, oh, we gotta hang out. We all live out down here. We gotta hang out together, and then we get together like once a year. So, um, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man, it's better to get together once a year uh, when it's 70 degrees out in March than when it's 35 degrees out in March. That that is true. That is true, and 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 
I was joking with people last night because, you know, we were back in Toronto for the All-Star game, and I just simply do not own clothes for actual winter. So, um, we're going to move on. We've, we've actually got you on to talk NBA draft and uh, guys coming up. And I'll tell you, one of the interesting topics coming up, because there's kind of a backlash now. Obviously, Ben Simmons is going to go number one. But there's the, the camps of people who think he is going to be a transformational player a la, you know, Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns level. And then the people who think he's, he's look, he's going to be good, but he's a notch or two below that. Where do you stand on that? Or, or is it I too think, early to tell? I think that his ceiling, like, let, let's say that he ends up adding a jumper and, you know, he's a guy that can hit 40% from three, uh, shooting like three or four threes a game, right? And he kind of develops a little bit of that killer instinct where he wants to take games over a little bit. Like, he's he's a little too passive for me at this point. Then I think his ceiling is, ended, is like as a top five player in the NBA because he's got that skill set and that athleticism and, you know, what he's able to do with the basketball, very, very, very few people at that size are able to do. The problem for me is that, one, like his jump shot is just broken. You know, there, there are scouts that talk about, you know, getting him to shoot, switch from being a, a lefty to a right-handed shooter because of how often he comes back to his right hand and the fact that he just cannot shoot the basketball right now. So if you're going to have a problem, like it's a good thing to, to be a poor shooter, like that's the easiest thing for you to, to, to develop. But it's how many guys do you hear us say, like, imagine how good he could be if he only had a jump shot, you know? And at this point, like, he's not a guy – people can play off him at this point, right? Because you don't have to yeah. worry about that jump shot. And he's not a guy that's super quick. Like, he's not beating people off the dribble in, in half-court sets. Like, when he's getting to the rim, it's transition opportunities. It's when he has a head of steam going to the basket. And, you know, so there's all these little things where it's just like he's got to get better at this, he's got to get better at this, he's got to get better at this. And – He's got plenty of time. Like, he's 19 years old. You know, he can end up being that guy. It's just, is he going to live up to that potential? And I don't like comparing a kid that's 18, 19 years old to a generationally transformational basketball player like LeBron James or Magic Johnson because I just think it's unfair to put that much pressure on the kid uh, at this point. So, yes, I think he can be a guy that's that good. But if I was going to compare him to someone in the NBA, I'd say, you know, Maybe Lamar Odom. Maybe Lamar Odom in his prime. Yeah, that's uh, that's know, the and, and that's he, the that's the comp that um, we had. Uh, Scott Isaacson. Um, I mean um, Ed Isaacson. Scott, Scott Isaacson, my my former high school friend, Ed Isaacson, the uh, who's worked with us at NBC, and that was his comp. It was peak Lamar Odom, who was look third best player on a championship team, sixth man of the year, a very good player, but. He spent 15 years in the NBA averaging 14 points, 9 boards, and 4 assists. Like, yeah. he, he was a very, very good NBA player. And with a unique skill set, but... Exactly. Not uh, not necessarily the guy you could build a... a tr- not a true alpha, not a new, true number one. Um, Bobby Ingram goes second, right? Brandon Ingram. Brandon, did I say Bobby? Brandon Ingram goes second. <laughs> the, expect me, by the way, to butcher a bunch of these names since I don't get to watch these guys enough. Man, I do the, I do the exact same thing it's, with... Uh... Hilton Coliseum and Hinkle Fieldhouse. I always get those two backwards, and I always have Butler fans and Iowa State fans yelling at me about it. <laughs> um, so Ingram goes number two out of Duke. I think so. I think there might be a chance that he ends up going number one as well. You know, I, I don't think it's crazy to say that he could end up being a better NBA player than uh, than Ben Simmons is. There are a couple concerns I have with him. Like he's got to put on weight, man. Like he, it, it must be a good problem. To have I wish I had that problem. Yeah, that hasn't been me for like 
probably my entire life. But he's like 190 pounds soaking wet at this point. And part of when he kind of exploded into this guy that looks like a top three draft pick after a slow start to the year was when Duke had a power forward get hurt. And they're kind of playing him at the four now, which means he's being guarded by college fours who have absolutely no chance. Uh, but when he was struggling, teams were putting you know smaller guards, kind of physical veteran guys on him, and they were able to get up in him and, and, and be physical with him. And he's not quite quick enough and doesn't quite have the handle to be able to you know blow by guys like that. But when you're six nine with that mobility and that shooting stroke and that length, like he, he just oozes potential. And uh, I think that eventually he could get there. I think there are people that want to take him number one. I don't think I would take him number one at this point. I still think I would take. Ben Simmons and, and be like we're going to make him be a, a, a better jump shooter but yeah I mean he's a he's a very very good prospect and I think for me at this point at least with the college guys I think those guys are almost a clear-cut number one and number two yeah it, it's it's number three where things get interesting where where it really seems to diverge um I keep hearing Dragon Bender uh, out of Croatia and I'm not gonna we're not gonna talk about the international prospects too much with you um but I am kind of stunned at like how much talent is at California like in Berkeley, and not just guys growing herbs talent. I mean, like on the court basketball talent uh, up in Berkeley. It starts with Jalen Brown, but they've got a couple draft picks up there, and Brown could be a guy who goes third, fourth, fifth. Yeah, he could end up getting getting picked that high, and it's kind of been you know something that's happened late in the year. He was flying under the radar a little bit, like a guy that was averaging 15 points a game is like this super inefficient uh, kind of power wing, but he's really taken it on in the last – Probably a month or so, I'd say. You know, Cal's won seven straight games. They're start, starting to finally live up to that potential a little bit. They got Ty Wallace back from a broken hand, who is uh, was another potential second-round pick, um, a point guard, like a six-six athletic guy. Uh, and I think that Brown could end up going third. I think that's where you know a couple of mock drafts have him at this point. I don't necessarily love him as much as Brandon Ingram and Ben Simmons like I think there's a significant drop off between the top two and Jalen Brown like you can I think you can make the argument that even like Chris Dunn Jamal Murray Henry Ellenson like there are a number of guys that could end up going number three and I think that's almost the spot where you start uh, in this year's draft you start picking for fit if that makes sense it does, and there's some guys I really like that you mentioned Chris Dunn uh, I liked him a lot last year I'm surprised a little bit that he went back um, but He's a guy who I think can come in out of Providence and contribute right away on a certain, like not as a starter necessarily, but but give you minutes off the bench as a solid point guard like from day one. Yeah, certainly because he's he's phenomenal in the pick and roll, and he is a guy that is I, I, I'm I'm certain he's going to end up being an elite defender in the NBA. Like he's just too athletic, too strong, has has too good a uh, size and length. Like, he's a guy that's going to be a really good NBA defender. I'm just, you know, I, I've watched him a lot. I watched him a lot last year. I did a big project on him over the summer where I kind of studied what his mistakes were. I watched him a lot this season. And I just don't think he's doing the things, the things he struggled with last year, he's not necessarily that much better at. Like, he's a little bit more consistent of a jump shooter. And I think that eventually he will get there to where he's a guy that you have to at least defend out to the NBA three-point line. But he's, like... It's the decisions that he makes. Like he does, he makes these stupid turnovers and he commits these stupid fouls. Where it's probably like once a game, twice a game, where you're just like, dude, what do you like? Why? What are you thinking that would make you think that that was the right pass to make? What are you thinking where you thought that it was a good decision to drive there? And part of that might be because Providence like just does not have a lot of talent around him. 
Like that's the big issue with them. It's basically Chris Dunn, Ben Bento, and then me and you. And that's the, the, the issue is that is he forcing stuff? Are, are teams – like is the book out on how to stop him? Are they crashing everybody or uh, packing everybody into the paint and forcing him to be a passer where he's passing the guys that aren't making shots? So now he's trying to shoot a little more. He's trying to get a little too creative with the ball. Like it, it, That might be part of the issue. But when you watch him play, he's not exactly better this season than he was in the things that he was supposed to improve on. And that's a red flag to me, especially considering that he's now 22 years old. Yeah. Um, you've made a lot of friends in Oklahoma this week because you had Buddy Heald, and, and he is no longer your National Player of the Year. Um, how angry did you make the folks in Oklahoma? And, and talk to me about Buddy. <laughs> well, uh, the people in Oklahoma weren't quite as mad as the people in East Lansing were uh, celebratory that Denzel Valentine was my new National Player of the Year. But Buddy Heald is a guy, I think, like long-term for his career, I think, Think that I would compare him to J.J. Redick. I'm not sure he's quite as good of a shooter as J.J. is. I think he might be a little bit better of a defender. But it's just it's been fascinating to watch him grow because when he got to college, like his, as a freshman, he was a dude that was known basically as a defensive stopper, as kind of a glue guy, where you put him out there and you said, any scoring we get out of him is going to be a bonus. And then the year after that, he was averaging 15 points a game, a little bit inefficient shooting the ball. And then now as a senior, like, all of a sudden, he's this dude shooting 48% from three, averaging 25 points, taking, like, eight threes a game. And he's a guy who is lethal. If he gets his feet set, he's really good at coming off the screens. He's better with the ball in his hands, making plays off the dribble. And I think that he's a guy that can be an above-average defender because he's got a little bit of length and he's got a little bit of athleticism. He's stronger than, you know, a guy like J.J. Redick is. And I think if J.J has carved out this role for himself in the NBA, then I think that down the road um, that Buddy Heald is going to be able to as well. By the way, you know, we're talking about a senior in Heald and, and a guys around in Dunn and, and some others that have been around a while. Is it just me that there are more upperclassmen who are going to be higher in this draft than we've seen in a while? Yeah, but part of that is just because this freshman class was not very good at all. You know, it, it, it's... It's, it's interesting when people are talking about um, like the year of the senior and all this kind of stuff. It is a result of there not being the, the incoming freshmen that we thought there were. Like next year, next season, no one's going to be talking about seniors because you're getting guys like Harry Giles and Jason Tatum and Josh Jackson and Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox. Like these dudes that are going to be, you know, NBA all-stars for a long time. This year, it's basically Ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram, and then who knows. So I think yeah. that's more of a byproduct of – uh, how I don't want, I don't know if weak is the right word because I don't like uh, I guess but it's it's just not, it's not a great draft class this year and that's why you're seeing so many seniors in that conversation. Boom. Um, let's talk about a couple of teams. Uh, you brought up uh, Denzel Valentine in, in Michigan State, so we'll start there. Um, another senior, a senior guard, but uh, and see, seniors tend to slide, but he has versatility to his game that I think is going to interest NBA teams. Yeah, he's a guy that needs to be in the right situation, but he is such a good shooter. He's such a good playmaker. He really understands like how to kind of play a role on a team. Like He's the star right now, but he was basically a role player for his first three years uh, when he was at Michigan State. And you know the, the comparison that like people kind of make is Draymond Green, and I don't see that because I think Draymond, the reason he's in the NBA right now is because he's a great defender that can also do these other things. Like Denzel Valentine is a great offensive player that, you know, 
might actually try to play defense on a couple of possessions, you know, maybe every other possession or so. But if he can land in a place, I don't know if maybe like a Golden State would be a nice fit or someone that likes to spread the floor, that needs shooting, that needs a guy that can make plays. Like, I think there's a role for him in the NBA. I don't think he's ever going to be a star. I bet he doesn't make an all-star team. I don't know if he's going to start. But what he, he's so good at so many different things on the offensive end of the floor that I, I it's hard for me to believe that he won't be able to carve out a career somewhere. All right. Well, while we're in Michigan State, should, uh, and I'm going to butcher his name, Dayatona, uh, or how is it pronounced? Davis? Deontay Davis. Deontay Davis? Should he come out? I I don't know. Like It's so hard for me to say because I think that, you look at a, I think he's in a similar situation to what Jakob Pertl is in this year. Yeah. Like, Pertl could have been a, a late, uh, like a, a mid to late first round pick last season. And he came back, and, and you know he's kind of proven that he can be a guy that you can run offense through when he's a, an elite shot blocker, and kind of showcasing like just how good he can be. And now all of a sudden, you know he's a guy that's probably going to end up going to the top ten. But some of that has to do with the fact that this draft class is not great, and I think that Deontay Davis in this year's draft class might be able to sneak into you know the late first round or, or in the early second round where you're more than likely going to end up getting. A guaranteed contract that said he's another guy where like if he can come back and he can start playing like as the main low post guy uh with matt costello gone and he can play with guys like miles bridges and some of those other stud freshmen they got coming in like he, he can end up being more of a focal point and have a bigger role next season and you know maybe he's a guy that can shoot up to the back end of the lottery so i think it's going to end up being he's one of these guys where like, they have these new testing the waters rules yeah i think he's going to be one of those guys where he, you end up having to wait basically until the deadline because he's got to see what kind of feedback he ends up getting from NBA teams. I think he does have an NBA future. I just I don't know if he ends up being a guy that uh, that that will go pro this season. But like his length, his athleticism, uh, his his ability with the ball in his hands, like I think he's a guy that will be a pro. I just don't know if this is the right situation for him to end up leaving. All right, let's uh, let's go to Lexington. Uh, a few guys there in Kentucky. Um, Jamal Murray, obviously, is probably going to go top five, top ten. Yeah, I think so. And and the biggest thing for me is that he's kind of embraced this this role off the ball. I think it limits what his theoretical ceiling would be because he's. I don't think he's a guy that's going to be, you know, a great uh, offensive player in the NBA. I think he's a great shooter. He's another guy like maybe like a JJ Reddit kind of a thing. Yeah, because uh, he's not. He's like six foot four. Like he's got a nice vertical, but he's not a great defender. He, you know, but it's when he got. I was really down on him when he got to Lexington, and that was because I thought he was going to be a guy that would try to force his way into being like a combo guard because he wants to be a playmaker. He wants the ball in his hands. That's the way he played with Team Canada over the summer. That's the way he kind of played with his AAU teams. Like I think that's who he wants to be. And what he is is a scorer and a shooter that happens to be a little bit of a, a, a playmaker and a passer as well. Like he's an off guard. He's not a combo guard. He's a two guard. And you saw that switch right about in the middle of SEC play when, you know, Kentucky had just lost at Auburn, and things were really kind of sliding for him. And, and Coach Cal made a change. He put this kid named Derek Willis in the starting lineup and spread the floor. And he gave complete control offensively to Tyler Eulis and moved Jamal Murray off the ball. So now he's strictly playing off guard. He's running off his screens. He's being a catch-and-shoot guy. They limited the decisions he has to make, and he's been unbelievable for, like, the last probably month and a half. You know, there was a stretch where – 
for seven games, he was shooting better than 50% from three, taking more than 10 threes a game. I think he scored more than 20 in eight straight games. Like, he's been awesome for about the last month and a half. And it's all because they kind of changed how they used him. And that's the biggest thing for me moving forward for him. Is he going to be a guy that can kind of embrace being this role player off the ball, having a J.J. Redick-esque career? And I think if he does that, then he can end up being a really good pro and, you know, maybe even make an all-star team or two. What about Scal? I'm I'm still on the Scal bandwagon because I think that the issue that he's had this year is twofold. One, he's not strong enough yet to really deal with playing big men. And, um, like, even just see, like, he's tall and skinny. He doesn't have any lower body yeah. strength. And the other part of it is, like, I just don't think he's ever been coached before. And I think what happened is – John Calipari can be like he's abrasive, man. He'll get after you. He'll yell at you. He's one of these screamers. He's not going to hold back in practice. And for some kids, they respond to that. Like Carl Towns responded to that. And all the like, Carl Towns is for people who don't know is a driven guy. Like they love his work ethic in Minnesota. He is his. He comes in with the with a focus and attitude. And by the way, that's why they love him with Andrew Wiggins, who does not come with that. Yeah, and and. So when Carl Towns got to Kentucky, like he wasn't dominant early, but Cal kind of brought this 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 player out of him that turned into like this unbelievable prospect. And all of a sudden, you saw a guy that was averaging less than ten points a game on the season went number one over Jaleel Okafor, who everyone said was going to be the number one pick since he was like fifteen years old. Yeah. And so Towns really responded to that. Scal didn't. Like he's never really been coached like this before. Uh, he didn't play his junior year because I think it was a back injury he suffered. His senior year, like he had this weird. Uh, thing where he transferred high schools because his handler's an idiot and they sent him to this thing called Reach Your Dream Prep where like he basically wasn't coached and he basically didn't play anybody again it was like he was playing me and you um, so it, he he's basically gone two years in high school without playing without being coached and this is a guy who like you watch him play and he thinks about stuff you watch him play and it looks like he he hasn't really experienced basketball outside of doing like one-on-one drills by himself so like in theory he knows what he's supposed to do but he ends up thinking through it and it's just not a reactionary thing to him and and you combine all that with the fact that the way that Cal used him and treated him early in the year just completely obliterated his confidence and that's why for me he's been so bad because what you saw on when was it Tuesday against Florida Calipari put him in the starting lineup and all of a sudden Scal was out there like making jump hooks and making post moves and hitting jumpers and getting rebounds and blocking shots. Like he had a tip dunk. Uh, he was fighting against guys in the post. Like he, he was still getting pushed around, but he was pushing back instead of falling down on the floor. Like what we saw was a confident scout and he had 11 points and eight boards in 15 minutes against a guy named John Igbunu, who is like a six foot 10, 270 pound NBA prospect in his own right for Florida. So I I would still take him in the lottery because I don't think you find guys that are six foot eleven as athletic as he is with the amount of offensive skill that he does. They don't come around very often, and I think that with the right kind of coaching and the right kind of like mentality, I think he's going to be a good NBA player. So in this draft, like if you're going to tell me you're going to take Wade Baldwin or Ivan Rab or Diamond Stone over Scalabissier, then I, I I don't think I would do that at all. Yeah, I I I. I... Think that this is a situation, and this is true with a lot of the guys we're talking about here, where landing spot and the ability to develop players, um, in, not in a Byron Scott kind of way, but in an actual way, um, matters. Like your ability to take a 19 year old and 
give him a mix of praise and and criticism and get him to be professional and coach him up matters. And the organizations that can do that um, benefit greatly because those are the teams that, that draft guys, you know, 10, 15, you know, later in the first round and suddenly, you know, they're Kawhi Leonard or whatever. If you can take the time and do it right. I don't know if it's ever going to happen, man, but I would love to see Scal end up on the Spurs. Like, I, I don't I don't know if it's feasible, but to put him on the same in, – in, in you know, with Greg Popovich and in the same team in the same organization as LaMarcus Aldridge and Tim Duncan and the guys who he should want to be, like, that would just be the perfect landing spot for him. And I think that that's a place where he could really, you know, thrive. But then again, like, you say that about every single one of the kids you look at this uh, in this draft, like, man – just imagine how good they could be if they end up in the Spurs organization. And I think that says a lot about the Spurs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, talk to me. Henry Ellenson, um, another interesting player out of Marquette. I like him a lot, actually. I, I think that he – I think I might take him in the top five. I think I would entertain taking him uh, number three. I just – he's like the six foot eleven dude with that can get a rebound and go full court. He's got a handle. It's not the same as – uh, ben Simmons, because he's like more of a scorer. It's ben Simmons, I think, wants to be a point guard at heart. Uh, Henry Ellenson doesn't want to be a point guard, but he can score in the post. He's a face-up guy; like he can knock down threes. Uh, he's got some length. The biggest issue with him is on the defensive end. Like you know how we're talking about Kevin Love now, being like, I don't know what he's going to do defensively. Like how can we play him yeah. in this specific situation? Like I think you might end up seeing that with Henry Ellenson, and that's my that's like a pretty big red flag for me. Uh, like, I don't think he knows how to close out on people. I don't think he's a shot blocker, uh, but he can rebound. He's he's a terrific offensive player, and I think with this move towards kind of like small ball, hard to guard lineups that we're seeing a lot more in, in basketball all levels, he's a guy that uh, that that can really be dangerous. Cool. Let's talk about some sleepers. Um, I like DeAndre Bembry out of uh, St. Joseph's. Yeah, I, I do too. I saw him at uh, where was it? it was the the Nike. Uh, I'm blanking on the name of it. The Nike All-American camps that they had out in uh, Santa Barbara this last summer. And he, along with like Gary Payton II, who's another guy who I really, really like, uh, those were two of the best players that I saw out there. And it's just because like, there's so many things they can do. I think they're going to be really good defenders. Like They can pass the ball. They can shoot a little bit. Well, GP3 can't really shoot, but he's an elite, elite defender. I think... If you're a guy, or if you're a, an NBA GM and you want to draft Chris, Chris Dunn, but you kind of have like a mid to late first round pick, then I think you have to take a long look at Gary Payton the second because the difference between those two guys is not all that much to me. I think that Chris Dunn is a little bit better in the pick and roll, is a little bit more of a natural natural point guard, but Gary Payton the second can make plays off the dribble. He might be a better athlete. I think he's going to be a better defender in the NBA. And if he ever learns how to consistently make a jump shot, he's going to be I think he's going to be a guy that can can hang around for, you know, 8 to 10 years in the league. It's only the fact that, you know, we know who his dad is, so yeah. you know he's going to have that work ethic. Yeah, uh, who else do you like out there that's kind of flying under the radar a little bit? And then and then we'll finally get to what everybody tuned into this podcast for, which is, of course, Big West basketball talk. <laughs> um, I do like Marquise Chris at Washington, who is a guy, I think that, you know, people are kind of finally starting to, well, I don't want to say finally, but are starting to realize just how good he is. You know, he's a tremendous athlete. He's got range. Uh, he's he's pretty skilled for his size, and he's kind of flown under the radar a little bit at this point because he's playing for a Washington team that is not exactly 
great this season. Another guy that I think has fallen under the radar a little bit is Malik Beasley at Florida State. We've always known that he can score, uh, but he's kind of actually doing it in an efficient way this season, which is not something that he ever really did coming through the high school ranks, which is why that he was you know kind of rated a little bit low a lot of other guys. Uh, but he's like a six foot four athletic shooting guard that can really get buckets and uh, and yeah, I think he ends up having a good career. The last guy is Malcolm Brogdon. I know he can really, really defend. He's got the size of an NBA two guard. He can hit threes, and he's played for Virginia, so you know he's going to be able to buy into a role on the team. And because you know, worst case scenario, you have a guy that you know is going to work hard. It's going to be great for your locker player of the year rankings at this point. Uh, I think he's going to be the ACC Player of the Year, first team All America. So, um, Stephen Zimmerman out of UNLV. If we're talking big men who could climb, I loved him in high school. I thought he was going to be a top ten pick out of high school, but then he went to UNLV. That team was Tim. It's just been kind of frustrating to watch him play and I really wish he had passed the ball out of the post he can score in the post he rebounds uh, he's probably a little bit more athletic he can he can do a lot of different things and I think it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up like he's going to which is a shame because if he ended up somewhere else we might have actually gotten a chance to see what he can do not really like I thought uh, in high school like he seemed like a kid that on the rim in front of the basket like he's not a great rebounder I just I don't know what he does. Turtle, Steven Zimmerman. Uh, I think I would take um, maybe even Deontay Davis. Like I- on TV a couple times um, in bits and pieces, and I really like he moves well. I like what I saw. He's a guy that can block shots, and the things that he showed us this year is that one, he can score in the post. Two, you can run offense through him in the post because he can pass the ball a little bit. And three, he has a much better feel for the game than I realized. Like last season, he was just kind of a guy that like set screens for Delon Wright roll to the rim, see if you can finish. And that was about it. He didn't really seem like he knew what he was doing with the ball in his hands. But you got to give credit to Larry Kraskowiak, man. Uh, he's really, really turned Pirtle into a guy that is a legitimate basketball player in the post. Like, he's not just a big guy anymore. He's a legitimate basketball player in the post. All right, I got I got two more sleepers for you. you All right? right, shoot, yeah, go for it. Jared Utah, the kid in Iowa, phenomenal shooter. Uh, he's six foot nine with great length. Um, he can block some shots. He's got a, he's slender, but he's got a really, really strong lower body. He's not going to get pushed off the block. His problem is upstairs. Like he, I don't know. Like the the thing with Iowa basketball is they they collapse late. They don't execute well in the clutch. And I don't know if he's the uh, if he's going to be able to handle the pressures of the NBA. So that's why I think he falls to the second round. The other guy is Prince eBay, a senior center at Texas. He's finally starting to get a chance. He's like 6'11", 260, long arms. Terrific athlete. Like, you watch him play, and you're like, that's a poor man's DeAndre Jordan, complete with the terrible foul shooting. <laughs> well, Lord knows we need more guys who can be hacked. That would be just great for the NBA. So <laughs> that would be... but are they going to change that, man? they got to get that out of the NBA. Um, I think you're going to see some adjustment over time, but there is pushback from certain general managers and stuff. Um, but I think it, th- this year where it has really spiked, uh, the sense I've got talking to people around the league is that the, the commissioner is going to champion it, and there will be some sort of evolution of this, um, how far they go down the road. And if this, honestly, if it's phased in over time as opposed to happening instantly is going to be the question. But, I, it you know, there's there were already, and I forget the exact number, but there were already like 100 more at the All-Star break, uh, intentional fouls off the ball like that, than there were all of last season. And we haven't even started to get to the playoffs yet where coaches are going to break that out you know, every chance they need, any time they need it. So it's, um, it's killing the entertainment project. You know, I, I know that there's a lot of old school guys like, oh, the, 
They're not learning to shoot free throws and blah, blah, blah. Look, it's an entertainment product. You are in the entertainment business, and watching DeAndre Jordan brick free throws is not entertaining. I, I've been in the building. It's not fun. So they, they will be changing it. Uh, the question is really how much, and, and, and like I said, is this something that gets evolved over you know, it's a, it's just very NBA. They're going to do it over a couple of years before they actually get to some sort of answer. So, um, yeah, it's 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 something that I'm so torn on because like it's such a great way to strategically get DeAndre Jordan out of the game, right? Yeah, yeah, and, on, and by the way, he's like, so key to them, like defensively and everything else. Like it's huge. Yeah, and like Andre Drummond is averaging like averaging what twenty points and thirteen yeah, rebounds or something yeah, like that. Ridiculous. Like if you can get him out of the game because he can't shoot free throws, like that is such an advantage for a team to have. But the problem is, like, I, like I'm not spending $100 on a ticket to watch Andre Drummond shoot 40 free throws in a game. Exactly. Like, that's just not happening. Like, I'm not going to – I'm not even going to risk going to a game on the off chance that a team might do it. So, it's it's an issue. It's bad for TV ratings. It's, it's They're getting pushback from the TV partners, and that's uh, – that always that always motivates sports in uh, college or pro. <laughs> in, in yeah, the money guys make decisions, man. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. How did Hawaii, let's get to Big West really quickly, just because I have to ask this, and we just lost like half the listeners, but how did Hawaii get this good? New coach, I did not expect them to be the team leading the Big West. I, did anybody? No. Nah. I, I, wasn't it supposed to be, look, Irvine was going to run away with it, right? I mean, that's what everyone thought. By the way, I've seen, we, we could, if you want to talk about prospects I've actually seen in person, I have seen their 7'6 center. Um, late Mama center. Do? Yeah. Late he se- plays in the NBA? No. Uh, he just doesn't move well <laughs> enough. I mean, he's just he is a big body who has a place maybe in Europe, um, but he doesn't move well enough, and he'd just get torched. Um, he, yeah, I, I bet he ends up... I wouldn't be surprised if he got drafted and stashed on the D-League team. I, you know what? I would, I would consider, if I were drafting in, you know, after 45, where I'm taking a real flyer at the end of the thing, I might... He moves way better than he did a couple years ago. He has improved, but he, in a, in a in a league going small, um, he is he just he's just <laughs> going to get small. Well, he's not small, and and he works great in the Big West where they can camp him in the paint, and you know Long Beach and these other teams who aren't used to seeing a guy like that drive in and don't know what to do with him, and he alters a lot of shots and block shots, um, and he can you know get some boards and and finish a little bit around the rim, but. Uh, in, in a real basketball setting, like an NBA, and in, in the sense of an NBA setting, he would just like I'm I'm dragging him into every pick and roll, and if you lay back, I'm just going to kill you with jumpers. Like he doesn't move well enough to to do it. But I wouldn't. There are worse gambles. I think it, you know. There's, there's, I would I would consider a draft and stash with him and see if maybe something develops over time. But I I would be shocked if he's out there. Um, or maybe if in five years and Steph Curry's gone, people go away from the small ball stuff and it's back to being like, let's see if we can start three seven-footers. Yeah, exactly. I think actually Earl Watson's trying that right now. Um, <laughs> um, in, in in Phoenix, for people who don't know, he's starting uh, Tyson Chandler and Alex Len next to each other. And that's, well, he's won one game as a coach. So there you go. He's doing <laughs> a really good job of trying to get that number one draft pick out of Philly's hands. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Somebody so- wants Ben Simmons. Exactly. I, look, I, I think there's a lot of teams that look at this draft and think, yeah, Ben Simmons may be flawed, but we'll we'll take that risk. Um, back to the Big West for a second, though. I is can is any do they think they come out of? Obviously, the thing is the the problem with the Big West, one bid one bid league. Like you've got to win the tournament. I don't know if I don't know if Hawaii can do that. 
Yeah, it's actually interesting, and I got to give credit to uh, to Hawaii for this because they put in their postseason ban for the 2017 season. And I don't know how in tune you are with this, but the the big thing in college basketball this year, like the overriding storyline, was that Louisville right. and SMU getting the 2016 postseason bans. Hawaii did it for 2017, and now they actually have a chance to get to the uh, the NCAA tournament. They're 23 and four in the season, and I remember watching them in. Uh, which tournament was it? Wasn't Maui? It was the Diamond Head, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they I mean, they did, they played pretty well out there. They they gave a couple teams some fights. You know, they got a big guy named Jankovic, uh, who is actually pretty good. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up having a pro career. Like he's one of these six foot ten dudes that can hit threes. I think he started at Missouri or something like that. So they got they got a couple guards that can play too. So um, yeah, they, I don't know if they end up winning that tournament because. You know, yeah, who knows who ever ends up winning these mid-major tournaments. But I think that out of the teams in that conference, uh, if anyone can can win a game or two, it's going to end up being Hawaii. Yeah, uh, yeah. They, they are. I'm going to get to see them in person uh, this Saturday. They're out here in Long Beach against my Long Beach State 49ers, and they're and Nick Faust, the leading scorer in the Big West, and the I don't know Over Maryland Terp. Yeah, and a, I, I would I've used the analogy with him uh, a few times that he is he is the Nick Lelouch of of the Big West. He is the million dollar body and the five cent head. Uh, he's, he's, oh, yeah. he, he has NBA athleticism and makes some really interesting decisions with the ball. Uh, Rob, thanks for doing this. We will do this again as we get closer to the draft and 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 we can talk mocks and stuff. And uh, you can tell me how I'm just completely wrong about all these guys. <laughs> Man, you're going to tell me how I was wrong about all these guys. Well, of course, but we're all going to be wrong except for, like, Sam Presti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. That's and always Popovich, how it goes. That's about it. Exactly. Because everything Popovich does is right. Actually, and the other team now is Utah. Like, Utah gets guys and develops them, and they'll look great. So, All right, man, thanks for doing this. We will be back next week with the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast. Thanks for listening. Do summer projects your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. With free delivery on over 2 million items, you can make the most of summer grilling and dig into gardening. Plus, get same-day delivery on thousands of products like power tools and storage to tackle any last-minute garage project. Summer your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 